Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about the types of agriculture out there, and by types we're mainly talking about different uh, philosophies or ways of doing it. In our spotlight, we're going to look at some new herbicide technology for soybeans and corn. Ag History Minute, we'll talk a little bit about the history of conservation tillage. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have current events and wrap it all up with our Ag Idiom of the Week. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garby. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Got a little, little cold last night, guys. <laughs> we actually had to like turn the heat on in here for a little bit this morning. Yeah, Max, what are you weighing in on our official... Yeah, the you uh, said, you like said officially summer started. I got tricked like man. weeks ago. I, <laughs> so I pulled, I opened my weather app yesterday, and I went to like look, and it's got like the you know the weather story current, and it had the winter cast thing on there again, and I went, not great, not, not great, I, not ideal. And for, it, so there was for there May. was snow projected uh, up by Fremont last night into this morning. So Sweet, I'm really can't wait can't wait to get out there. So yeah, um, I don't know. Thirty-five again tonight. So not, Ouch. not ideal. It was this morning when I woke up. The real feel was thirty. That's what my phone said. So mm. that's not not great. I guess we all got tricked. I don't know. It's been like days, like Saturday, Sunday too of last week. Yeah. Was, Saturday we maxed out GDUs. Sunday we basically got almost none dropped. Yeah. So like watching these. On average, we're normal, but we've been in the freezer or in, in the, the fridge. Sauna. I know, yeah, the sauna, yeah. We either have no AC or we can't shut it off. That's yeah. our choices. Yep. One extreme or the other. But oh. at least the Bucks are on a roll. Yep. 3-0, first series. Let's go. Let's go Bucks. I would. I love to say Bucks in six, but I don't think it's going to take that long. They're done. They'll yeah, I, out on Saturday. For, I'm pretty sure. I think the Heat gave up. They're giving up. It was great to see uh, see Tyler Hero get dunked on. I just have the, the disdain for him. For yeah, yeah, he's a local, like he's from Wisconsin, right? Yeah, he committed and then decommitted and went to Kentucky. Yeah, and he won and done and yeah. got drafted. So, or yep, went to the NBA. And he was supposed to be so good in the NBA, and he was good last year. I mean, yeah, he was, he was this he year was, though. He's not shooting percentage way down. But the he's he, a, we're really good last year. Or yeah. We're better last year too. Like. I don't know. They caught they caught lightning in a bottle last year, and they don't have it this year. So, the Heat knocked us out last year. Yeah, right, of yep. the playoffs. So it'd be fun to. And knock it wasn't close. Them. It wasn't no, a three. Wasn't. Or we got we lost four one. I think something like that. It was bad. Gentleman sweep. Pretty gentleman tough. sweep. Give him, one. Sweep. Give him one. Give him one. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard of that, Max. You never <laughs> like, heard gentleman sweep no. before. Oh yeah, gentleman sweep. You don't think the Bucks will gentleman sweep them? Give them one night and then I don't at think home? so. The only way they do it is if they sat a bunch of guys. A gentleman's sweep, really, the best the best way to get to a gentleman's sweep is to give up the first game and then win four straight. Oh. It doesn't usually go win the first three and then give up then one. Then give up one. It That's a mercy sweep? Yeah. Like, I'll give you one at the end here because we know we're going to stomp you at some point. Or an oops sweep. Like, oops, sorry. We didn't mean to give you hope. That's a, we're, we're trying to avoid the rust of being off for so long, so right. we're going to prolong one this by one, by one game. But don't get any ideas, man. You're still getting eliminated. <laughs> They're tougher tests there to come ahead. Yeah, I mean, with the Nets and the they look Sixers. really they look really good right now, and they haven't they I haven't 
felt that way very much this year. They look really good right now. But maybe like the last two years, they played their heart out in the regular season and then they just blew it. Maybe now they changed this year. They're like, well, we'll learned how to temper a little better. We're just going to put the cruise control on. And then once we get in the playoffs, we'll put put her to the floorboards. I'm pretty sure when when Golden State set the record for wins or or wins in a season, I think that was the year they they got beat in the finals. And then the next year when they were good, but not as good, that's the year they won in the finals. So, or the year before, I don't, I don't know. I'm the Bucks last year too. COVID hurt us so bad. They were rolling. Yeah. And COVID hit, and then when they played in the bubble, yeah, they just they, they just couldn't do the it. Bubble. So, so you're right, Bill. Maybe it is good that they're third third seed, and we're not rolling. Didn't have we had a good good regular season, but if they can play this well in the postseason, that's awesome. Yeah. And all the fans are going to be there, and yeah, Pfizer's back. It's not quite full capacity, but closing. Close. It's what seventeen thousand is full, and they're at like fifteen. 15. So it'll it'll feel like full, I'm sure, with people coming back for playoffs. And did you see the Brewers announced reopening day? Nice. Re-opening. Yesterday, nice when they June whatever when they open full bar, they're yep. going to have a reopening day. I thought that was pretty clever. There's something magical about opening day in a baseball stadium. Yeah, Major League Baseball opening day. I going to a game on opening day is i don't know it's it's so it like there's so much anticipation it doesn't matter if your team is only going to end up winning 40 games right. it doesn't matter on that day it's it's all great the packers announced 100% too yep yesterday 30 out of 32 nfl teams i oh, think yeah? were 100% York. uh indy hmm. and which was really weird yeah and um was it denver those are the two that were holding back. Okay. So, which I was listening to uh, the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and he said, can you believe that we're talking about Indianapolis being uh, one of the ones that's not going <laughs> to you know, go yeah. full capacity? It just seems odd. Maybe that'll change by the time they get it to could. August. It could. It definitely could. Denver, mile high, less oxygen, less yeah. chance of getting COVID. Breathe, well, <laughs> or, or they're thinking some people have breathing problems now because of COVID, so they're... <laughs> They don't want to tax the system. Oh, that pot they smoke. Their lungs are... The, the, the thinner air holds the particles better, yeah. so it really hangs in the air, you know? Well, there's more than one way to get high in Denver. That's just the way it is. Yep. A mile high. Yep. All right, you guys ready to get into some egg talk? Yep. Do it. All right, so there's lots of talk out there about what's the best type, you know, Everybody thinks they, they're doing the exact right thing. Um, but a lot depends on the metrics you use to, to grade it. So, you know, there's a push for regenerative agriculture is kind of the, the hot button now. A few years ago, it was organic. Um, no-till, minimum-till kind of go together with some of that. And then we have, quote-unquote, conventional agriculture or conventional till. I like your um, air quotes there, Matt. Yeah. Good radio. Good radio, yeah, doing the air quotes. But um, what is conventional, it could be very hard to define. So those it feels f- like the range of conventional is is right. a wide range. Like you could still be using a mower plow. Yep. Or you could be you vertical could, tilling. Yeah. Yep. Or so strip tilling. Well, strip till we probably put in minimal, strip, right? strip till would be minimal till, yeah. yeah. But yes, the conventional side and even the, like herbicide use in conventional varies widely and just there's different amounts of of like you say conventional so we're kind of grouping that all into one though basically right? yeah well we got to start somewhere yeah so for the sake of this discussion 
we're going to talk about conventional agriculture or conventional till. Uh, <clears throat> again, in air quotes, no-till, minimum-till agriculture, organic agriculture, and regenerative agriculture. So you got so, four categories we're talking about. Yep, four categories. And again, you know, this isn't... Uh, for the sake of discussion, we have to start somewhere, but it's not a catch-all of every possible combination. Like, because some some organic guys do no-till, some uh, you know conventional guys might do some no-till and some till. It, you know, it's not a a lot of blurry lines. Yeah, it's a gray area, but <laughs> blurred lines is right. A lot of blurry lines. Yeah. For the sake of discussion, that's where we're going to start. So, uh, just kind of rated these based on some different metrics that are used to. Um, to kind of find what's the the quote unquote best again, doing air quotes, great radio. Um, so let's start with soil health. We've been talking about that quite a bit lately. So when it comes to conventional, that as far as like following the the uh, principles of soil health, yeah, it's going to be on on the poorer side. So poor, moderate, and high are the ratings I use for this. Um, a lot of t- you know, if you're doing any tillage, chemical, those are both forms of disturbance. You're not really hitting on that minimum disturbance aspect of it. Your manure, a lot of times, is going to be injected um, or worked in. So, Do you think it, we can get into that moderate category by still being conventional, but just sort of doing less tillage, doing... Yep, I think so. You know, moderate use of chemical, trying to... Eliminate recreational tillage, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably set your crop rotation up, too, to maybe better suit... More diversified crop rotations may help you. You could... To better suit soil health versus corn and beans, where you're always tilling every fall. Using cover crops, even, Yeah, you know, in between your tillage is going to help things, which some guys do, um, but... And it, it's becoming more popular, but I would say when you look at the numbers they give for adoption of like cover crops and stuff, we're still only five percent, five ten percent of of total agriculture. So it's not, you know, it's not as common. Which seems crazy to me because I feel like we do we do way more than that. Yeah, well, and, and it, I think it goes the it gets kind of flooded by you know the average gets brought down by there's areas where like people don't do any. And then there's areas where they do, and we're in kind of one of those areas where there's kind of high adoption. We've got a lot of programs that farms take part in to get them to to do some of these things. So we also have a lot of animal integration, which I think yep, helps a lot of dairy. It helps sell of, the cover crop and alfalfa as well. I mean, you think of that one. That's say thirty percent of a dairy rotation is alfalfa. Well, that's Constantly got a cover crop and constantly. Yep, guys are looking to keep them for at least four years. Right, some, some are keeping them six, seven years. Four uh, four years, plant some grasses into it, yep. get another three out of it. So yeah, you're not really tilling any of that for for a long period of time. But then when it comes out, then it's usually R- then right back to the full I'll, tillage. Right. Yep. So um, then no till, minimum till. I'll put that in the moderate category. So um, you're not doing the tillage part but you're still using chemical. And um, I would say there's not that no-till guys don't like to get manure, and we'll talk about it a little bit later with the cattle integration part, but um, a lot of times with no-till, they're, they're not looking to get as much manure or you know working into the rotation. It's not a lot of, a lot of the dairy end. But 
One uh, thing I see on no-till and soil health is integrating that cover crop, if you can. Yep. Is it seems like in no-till, it's hard, not harder to integrate, but just typically we don't always do that. And then trying to diversify that rotation too is not just being corn, corn and beans, beans, just corn, beans, wheat, and maybe maybe you can throw in some wheat or alfalfa or something else to add to that rotational effect on, on no-till. Yep, and then the minimum till side, um, you know, your strip tills, your... Some of that you're you're still doing some some tillage. You're not tilling the whole field, which is better than um, from the soil health perspective than doing the whole field. But still, um, there is potential for some. So that's why that kind of falls in the moderate category. Organic um, that you're not using the chemical, and I rated that one on the poor side. But it's often even more tillage than what we call conventional till, because you're those are your guys that are cultivating and you're. You're doing uh, sometimes replants where they're going to work it up. So you may, where a normal, quote-unquote normal operation might be, you know, three passes. Organic, you could be five, six passes in a year. But what, what about, you know, like some of the organic guys that I see are, are integrating cover crops. So they're tilling during the season to keep weed control down. You yeah. know, like they want to grow their crops, so they got to keep the weeds out of the corn and beans. But then we get to the fall, and they maybe maybe are adding cover crops so that, yeah, they're doing tillage, but they're not leaving the soil exposed in the fall when, or in the spring when maybe it could be more susceptible to and runoff and those kinds of things. Any yep. thawed ground has something growing on it. Right. Yep. And, and again, you know, it's, it's hard. Like we said, there's gray areas, but there's just so much tillage. When you think about soil health, you think about building that structure. And even if you are doing a cover crop for, you know, four months out of the year, you're going right back at it and destroying yeah. the, what little structure you built. Yep. What, you, what you said was right, Bill, is in organic, you give up herbicide weed control right. and then the down and you switch that with tillage mechanical. with mechanical weed control. And there are a lot of upsides to that, but also we don't seem to talk enough about the downsides of that and potentially how you're destroying that soil structure and, and all that. So it seems as though, it's the organic side is more towards the food that they're producing versus soil, maybe. Yep. You know, because of all the tillage that they're doing. And again, an organic dairy would probably be more in the moderate category because they're going to have alfalfa in the rotation, so they're going to have some or some pasture, maybe some potential. Even. Yeah. No, a lot of them use more small grains, which typically don't yep. need a lot of of. So it'd be be mainly their corn and beans in that kind of rotation that are your toughest yep. ones to grow without some sort of mechanical weed weeding. And then you've got regenerative, so that's considered your highest soil health um, option where you're, you're not doing a lot of tillage, you're trying to reduce or not use any chemical or fertilizer. That's the kind of the goals of the regenerative is to make the land work for you rather than have to keep adding stuff to it. Um, so really, as, as it stands now, that's kind of what's considered the, the healthiest, I guess, from a soil perspective is the idea of you know, that, that's really regenerative agriculture's goal. Right. The main that's, goal is just what focusing on yep. soil health. So it would make sense that they would be in the high category where these other ones focus on plant health or, or you know, organic, I would say, focus on people health maybe yep. more so. So, so it's yeah, that would make sense them to be in the high category. Yeah. And again, you know, like we said, there's gray areas. There, As you're transitioning into regenerative, there are guys that are going to be doing... Some tillage, you know, you don't want to, 
with no-till and regenerative, when you're trying to minimize that disturbance, you don't want to start with the most compacted field there is and not do anything to it. Cover crops will help. You know, a lot of this stuff will help, but in the end, you may have to start with some tillage to get a good good pro- product out of the the field in the end. All right, so that's the soil health part. Non-GMO. So that was a big thing um, in these last few years, particularly, you know, the organic push back in the late 90s, early 2000s. They were looking at, you know, this idea that GMOs are bad, and not, we're not saying GMOs are bad on this podcast. We've had that discussion. Uh, you can go back to one of our earliest episodes was how to have that GMO talk and what's what's good and the good and the positives and the negatives, the good and bad. But so then, again, conventional, I put in the moderate category. You can do it. It's not as common. Um, it's It means changing how you're managing your fields quite a bit. You know, when we're talking seed treatments and chemicals, we're not looking at it, just not spraying it or being limited in what you can spray. Um, so there, but there is some guys out there that are conventional agriculture that are doing non-GMO. Um, so it's definitely possible. No-till, minimal till, same thing. I mean, really, you can you can do non-GMO no-till. It's just changing how you're managing. Organic, I would say, is the highest because that was kind of the the push. You know, we talked soil health last time is the push for regenerative. Organic, that was kind of their thing, like, we're going away from from traits and we want to do this you know no chemical no gmo type deal and then regenerative i would consider in the moderate moderate category um cuz again it's it's not as common there are guys that are pushing that way so if you're transitioning organic to regenerative you're probably in that boat um but a lot of guys that are doing regenerative are still using traded corn because they're worried about insect pressure and you know, if we're not going to spray insecticide, we still need some way to protect our plant. So that one I, I think is pretty straightforward. I don't know if you guys have any agreements or disagreements with how I rated those. Seeing seeing none, they're seeing shaking no, their heads again. Great, more great, great radio. Great radio as they're shaking their heads at me. Um, all right, so now cattle integration. So big thing here in Wisconsin, a lot of dairy cows. Conventional, I put that in the high category. We... A lot of the guys that have dairies can do conventional. You know, they're they're getting their manure. They have places to go. Some are doing rotational grazing or pasturing, depending on um, how they're managing their farm. But but yeah, it's easy to integrate cattle in a conventional system. No till, minimum till. I put it moderate because there are those guys that are against manure in a no till situation. I met a few where it's like, yeah, it's. You know, I want to keep my disturbance down to planting and harvest. I don't want to have anything in between. Like, I don't want them to all of a sudden have to tear up my field because they, I took my nice even no-till field and they, they rutted it up, they wrecked it. I don't want that extra pass. And so that's my reasoning why, why they're moderate is the, some of these true no-till, no, you know, no or low disturbance guys wouldn't take manure. And then regenerative. That's, that's what they want. They want to get cattle integrated somehow, whether it's pasturing, um, surface pipe manuring, you know, there are ways to do it. So. so, yeah, all of them can, just, yeah, the no-till, minimum till on the low side. Then we get into plant health. Conventional, I put that as, as high plant health because you can do pretty much whatever you want to alleviate stress of the plants. Um, your options are 
are not limited by, you know, minimizing chemical disturbance or anything. You know, we can rotary hole. If we have crusting issues, we can put fungicides on. We can do all that kind of stuff to help get the plant the least amount of stress throughout the season. I do have a question about this yeah. one specifically. How how do pivots figure into um, some of these categories? Like, I'm, be, I'm being 100% serious. Sure. Like, is that considered manipulating? Irrigation, irrigation pivot? Yeah. Would that be considered manipulating or not really? You know what I'm saying? Where you're trying to only use what, like, regenerative. Yeah. The whole goal is, hey, we're only using what we got. We're not. Well, I don't, organic, you can irrigate. Right. I, I, I don't know where I guess it fits more, in regenerative More, more my question, I guess, would be how does regenerative feel about irrigation pivots? Because that would be the one plant stress where I feel like that's something that we can, a big one that we are lucky enough to be able to alleviate sometimes is yep. putting some water on. But was that does that really fit in the regenerative yeah, I, thought I process? So. Okay. Yeah. I, I've got guys that are looking at, you know, they want to be more regenerative and they have irrigation. Um, in some ways, you know, they they look at it as a positive because, yeah, you got your pivot tracks, but, you know, you can do more with that pivot. You can fertigate. You can mm-hmm. do other things where you're not having to make extra tracks. So right. you're, you're holding up that no-till idea. So, yeah, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable in a I know it's just water, but situation. it's a completely different thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, doing yep. it is... Completely different than just, you know, letting things be. Ideally, I think the way regenerative guys look at it is they wouldn't need the irrigation once they're fully vested in regenerative. Right. Because your your no-till situation with the cover crops and everything is going to increase your water holding capacity. So in theory, you would be less likely to need to use it or at least not use it as much. Okay. But yeah. Um, All right. No-till, minimum till. I put in the moderate category for plant health. Mainly because a lot of times no-till looks rough early on. You know, there is going to be some stress getting out of the ground. You're not making the perfect little seed bed, making it easy for emergence. And that that really, I think, is the biggest drawback, which I I shouldn't even use the word drawback. It looks fine in the end, like the plants do fine, but there still is the potential for stress there. And that's why maybe like a strip till, why you do that is obviously just to try to alleviate that no-till potential look but if you do no-till right it usually looks great even coming out um, but there's a lot of times you look at hybrids for how good their early season vigor is how good their emergence is that's what we're picking for our no-till stuff so obviously like you say matt it's overall plant health be fine but that early season if you can get it started right good sound effect there man and and with the new new trash whippers, openers, and closers, the no-till thing is not what it was even five years ago as far as, you know, seedling stress, I think. Yeah. Right now, you can go out in some of these fields that are no-till, and it looks like a strip-till went through because the trash whippers and openers and closers did such a good job. So you eliminate some of that early season stress, I think. Yeah. It's just having patience. If you're if you're conventional, you're going to no-till, or you're, you're going to a different thing, you got to have patience and let that work its way through a couple of years to learn the new things of how this grows. And you just got to have, have that patience to say, you know what? It isn't going to look, the minimum till, no till, isn't going to look like my conventional till because soil temperature is different. And all the, the biosphere around it is different. We just got to have patience and eventually it'll catch up. And in the end, profitability, yield may be the same. That's the, probably the goal of all this, Matt, is, is profitability, right? Right. And we'll get to that at the end. Jumping the gun. Jumping the gun on me, Bill. Um, and then, and really, I struggled on this one. I think I started with all of them moderate. 
and then I changed conventional till to, to high just because there are more options to alleviate stress. Not that you're not going to see, like, more tillage means you're going to have crusting, means you might have to use a rotary hoe, whereas in a no-till situation, you generally don't have crusting. Um, so I struggled rating that one. Um, I, I wanted to put them all moderate just because they all do have some drawbacks. But I, just because there's so many things we can do, that's kind of why I, well, I flipped that around. If there was one that was perfect on plant health, that'd probably be the only thing that people would do. Right, exactly. Well, and in conventional, you could have plow layers or something like that that <laughs> yep. could could uh, induce some compaction, and then your plant health would not be very good. I, I like where you're going with the conventional bean is high. It's just that no matter what we do, it seems like we have to add another machine or another tool to fix the last tool that we... Eventually, our tools end up on top, but it does seem like at yep. times we're like, we could fix that, but we just push the problem further down the road sometimes. Our conventional tillage made that problem, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and tillage begets tillage. You're, once you start, you can't <laughs> stop. It's like a Pringles can once you Ooh. pop. So. Once you pop, you can't reach your finger down to the fifth one. Yeah. And you just turn it upside down, shake it, and you get just like all. a moldboard plow. You don't have to talk about it. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, all right, organic. It's more than Again, five, though. put that in the moderate. Lots of competition from weeds. Um, so we, we tend to see more stress there. Even with mechanical cultivation, there's still, you can't get all the weeds. It, there's very few, unless you're really going to go out and hire a bunch of guys to go pick weeds multiple times through the season and then that profitability thing probably goes down the drain. It's like, gonna be expensive. it's like picking rocks, but for weeds. Right. <laughs> and there's, there's probably way more way weeds more than weeds. there are rocks. <laughs> yep. Especially if you have water hemp, then you are you might as well just put a little tent city out there and have the guys sleep sleep out there and pick them every day. Just call it a summer camp. Let city kids come out and there you go. get a taste of the country. Just pick water hemp all day. And then regenerative to put in the moderate category. Really, I think they all could be moderate for the, the reasons we've discussed, but um, <laughs> you're in that no-till situation early season. It's probably going to look rough just like a like a conventional no-till, and there is potential competition because, again, not that you can't use chemical and regenerative, but a lot of guys, that's kind of their goal is to get away from it. So you're, you're probably going to end up dealing with some um, competition due to plants you didn't put there. And then harvesties is... Um, Kind of last one before we talk profitability. And conventional, I put as moderate because wet years. I mean, we saw it in 18, 19. That was bad. Your your dump carts even aren't enough sometimes in a conventional till situation if it's that wet. Um, you just, there's no, no bottom unless it's that compacted. And that's not a great thing either, like we just talked about. Right. Um, just there's, there's some big downsides to rutting up a field and then like we said tillage begets tillage you gotta fix the ruts and you're gonna have more ruts the next year if it stays wet so so in a really dry fall you could maybe toggle that up to a high right harvest ease but other than that it's moderate or i'd argue extremely poor yeah extremely poor not poor extremely poor like yeah think about 19 and 18 how much Mud and ruts and yep. extra costs and, and breaking you, things. Well, and, and two, you couldn't fix them. Like you, there right. wasn't enough tillage opportunities. Even that's how wet it was to go fix the ruts. So you were dealing with last year's ruts plus the new ones you're making. And then the plow pan you created because you were chisel plowing when it was wet, trying to fix your ruts. Yep. Or you just left it be till spring, which was 
also not the correct answer. <laughs> there was no right There's answers. no correct answer. Right. Uh, no-till minimum till, I would say, is on the higher end, generally carries even in wetter situations. Uh, we saw that, again, in 1819. That's a fact. No-till ground. Yep. You know, it was, if it wasn't... There's a lot of days those, the only fields that anybody was touching were no-till. Right? Yep. And it, I think it opened a lot of guys' eyes in that time of like, hey, this no-till thing, maybe there is something more to it. The, the silver lining there, Matt, I appreciate that. Yeah. That was the, that was the, that was the positive we took from Harvest. Is <laughs> we really really got to see no-till up, up close and personal. Yep. Well, well, look what it's doing is you're creating more soil structure, and yep. you have a structure then to hold up the equipment we're using, which, disclaimer here, it can still be bad in no-till if you are that wet. Obviously, it, yeah. you, you know, after you get inches of rain, you got to wait and let it drain. But usually your infiltration rates are better and you have structure. So right. those two things. That was, that's the big thing, Todd, right? We get the, the structures there so the infiltration happens. The water's not sitting on the top of the surface just smearing when you're trying to get through it. It's it's gone. No, that, that's probably the real thing is you drive through and... Then you know you feel no till. There's no standing water, and the field next door that's been was worked twice in the spring, and you know all that stuff has got you know ponds all over the place, and you there I mean tile and all that stuff. Like that's all another thing. But you look at that, you're like, okay, well this really changes my harvest. You know how this is going to go if this is what I'm going to have every day here, and this is the 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 other option. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry there. I think absolutely organic. I put in. Now remember this is harvest ease, not you know, just not that you can't harvest, but how easy it is to harvest. Organic I put in the poor category because wet years, you know, with all that tillage, you're gonna be making ruts, have a hard time getting in there. And have you seen it even in small grains and other um and soybeans especially, you have a difficult time taking your whole crop because like you might have to leave that giant patch of giant ragweed alone because you don't want to get the weed seed in soybeans when you've got um i'm I'm blanking on the the weed um it's poisonous berries that look like oh um soybeans black nightshade yeah nightshade you know i've I've seen a number of organic soybean fields where you know they had to go around these patches of nightshade because they don't want that getting into the the food lines you you have a hard time getting your full crop Trying to th- I'm trying to think really hard. In the Hunger Games, there's a black, like, poisonous berry, oh, yeah. and it's called Night Night Lock. Night Lock. So they just took Nightshade, Shade. and they just made Night Lock. Ooh, change it oh, off a little bit. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. You, you said it, and I was like, wait a second here. I just watched it last weekend. That's why I'm thinking about it, but yeah. You, you volunteered as <laughs> tribute. Yeah, yeah, I did volunteer as tribute. Is this your first time seeing them? or No. I, I mean, I was in, like, middle school when those came out. It's his jam, Todd. I did the books first. The, I was, whoa, that I was, was in middle school when the books, the books came out. I was in high school when the movies came out. I did both. So You read a book? I read. A, I actually have read a few books. Wow. A couple. He, he read the book on tape. couple two tree. <laughs> couple two tree. Cool. couple two tree. Um, so that's, that's why they're in the poor category. And then regenerative, I put in moderate. Um, you could make an argument for high, but there again... If you're going the no chemical route with regenerative, you're going to have a hard time taking the whole crop. The nightshade thing would be this, a similar issue. Um, you know, They're working to use enough cover crops to get weed suppression, but um, generally the carrying part's not a problem. You know, Wet years, you're, you're in that same no-till boat, but you may have issues taking the whole crop. So that's the only... So that's a hybrid. 
That's a hybrid. In the soil structure standpoint, it's in the high category yep. for harvestees. In the potential weed issues, weed, not wheat, yep. weed issues, it's in the poor category. So it's a mix of your no-till and organic. Yeah, and that was another one I struggled with, whether to call it high or moderate, but just, again, there's no silver bullet here. Um, you know, They've all got positive and negatives. We're not going to go here and tell you at the end you should be doing X type of get of um, agriculture. That's not the point. We just want to highlight that there are positives with all of these. I'll I'll say it. I'll say you should do one type. Yeah. Profitable. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the that would be the type I would go with. Whatever's profitable for you and is probably the right answer. And that's where we're going here is profitability. They all can be profitable. Um, you know, you you have your ups and downs. Some might. In some years, one might be more profitable than another, but they can all be profitable. And that, in the end, that's really what you, you should be after is making money to keep your business going. So um, some highlights, you know, if you're thinking about trying something different, you know, I hope we gave you some ideas on how how to kind of go there and what, what the positives are balanced out with some of the negatives. But... Um, we're not, yeah. We're not going to tell you, yeah. Oh, yeah. No till is is absolutely it, or organic is absolutely it, or conventional. It's just just want to lay that out so that you're making your best decisions out there in the field. That's all I got, guys. Anything else you guys have to add? Now that we've offended all of our listeners, I <laughs> yep. think we no, we did try we've to highlight the pi- positives though too. Of offended any t- none of them and all of them uh, at yes. the yes. same time. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that was a really good a really good list. And that's a good um, way to wrap up is just think about profitability on your farm and how you can be profitable but also help, you know, soil health help all these other things are important to think about on your farm. You you can't go broke trying to save the environment by yourself, but if you can make money and help the environment at the same time, there I don't see a whole lot of reasons not to. Yep. Yeah. All right. So then we'll move into our spotlight for today. Bayer has announced a herbicide with a new site of action for soybean and corn market. So it's Diflufenican, a new herbicide for North America, be introduced under the brand name Convintro. So pending approval by EPA, Convintro products will be available to soybean growers for burndown and pre-emergence applications. Herbicide will also serve as a new weed control tool for corn. That this has been used in Europe for years, and that just floors me of like, Europe, why did you not give us this <laughs> before? Out. Yeah, like well, Europe's well, holding out on us. So you wonder like if it worked well there, or we'll have to ask at NAICC all our European friends to see what they thought of. Yeah, it says they use it a lot for managing broadleaf weeds in lentils and winter cereals. So it's interesting that it's a soybean and corn. Hmm chemical coming this way when it's you could use it on wheat they are winter cereal i guess they're not seeking um that right now uh, they're hoping it's a completely new set of action for palmer amaranth and water control in soybeans and corn so that's kind of the why they're kind doing of that important works. so they don't have water hemp or palmer amaranth <laughs> in europe basically because it'd be a new site of so I'm moving to Europe. That's what I got out of that. <laughs> Let's go farm in Europe. Yep. <laughs> Done with this stuff. 
Max is our person that weighs in and all things, logos, trademarks, and uh, chemical names. What do you think of the Convintro? It's got to convince me that it can do a good job would be the real the real ticket, I think. I don't know. I kind of I like it. It's kind of a weird name. It's long for a chemical. Convintro. Usually yeah. you get like Lumax or, you know, very compact names this is yeah, usually not three syllables or yeah. four it's like two There's too many syllables i can't i want to see the logo i like i like how they like to show the logo on the label that's always fun mm-hmm. they don't have that quite done yet because i mean they're not expected to put this out for like five years yet so right. they said mid-decade well i mean it's 21 so got till 25 they better hurry up get her done i wonder how this will work with um so do we have to add a trait into our beans and corn too or this is like just well for beans it was pre-emerge burned down and pre-emerge and so it's going to be like yeah, like, be like we use our authority or, yeah. but it should have better pre-emerge Digital Pro. the thought is it's going to have better pre-emerge holding ability right so you'd start with your convintro and then you'd come back with probably something else Okay. once the, the beans it's not are even up. really like labeled or anything, so right. we, we, have, don't, we don't know. Idea. This is the projection. There is no this is what like, they think. Yeah. Like you said, you, they're using it on lentils and yeah, uh, winter cereals, yeah, so that's yeah. not even. You you Google conventional herbicide, and there is like nothing. So yeah, well, well, this might be a future. Maybe come back and talk about it. Even you Google doesn't know it. about it. Maybe after today, when you Google conventional, you'll get Tilt Talk Radio. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Now we have to use Convintro as much as possible in all our promotions. <laughs> all right. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute for today. I love the banjo. All right. So today we're going to talk about the history of conservation tillage. So in 1928, a USDA bulletin written by Hugh Hammond Bennett and William Ridgely Champlain Remember the days when you used to use your full, like your middle name and everything? Maybe no. we should do that when we <laughs> talk to each other. Uh, when I introduce myself, <laughs> I didn't like go to go to a new farm. Hello, except for I'm now, Maxwell. Hello, except for now, it's like assassins of presidents and stuff are always like the three, the three name names, things. So yeah. maybe maybe not so great to to go back to that. But anyway, so they re- had a bulletin written called uh, "Soil Erosion: A National Menace." which roused national attention and focused the nation's interest on stopping soil erosion. One of the first federally funded initiatives focused on managing cool season residues in the southeast. In 1932, the first conservation tillage method, called the Middle Buster, was developed to manage cool season crop residues at the Soil Erosion Experiment Station in Tyler, Texas. The Middle Buster was a non-inversion tillage method that plowed furrows into winter cover crops, it is similar to in-row subsoiling. So the first mm. conservation tillage was subsoiling. As it, its name implies, conservation tillage conserves soil by reducing erosion. In the Midwest, erosion is by water is the primary concern, whereas regions of the country, some uh, western regions of the country, are more susceptible to wind erosion than in central Wisconsin. Uh, soil erosion removes the productive layer of topsoil, reducing crop yields and land value. Soil removed from fields eventually ends up as sediment in streams, rivers, or lakes. Sediment collects in surface waters, reducing the water holding capacity. Some crop nutrients and pesticides also attach to soil particles and are carried and deposited in waterways along with the soil. So conservation tillage practices are grouped into three types. We have no-till, ridge-till, and mulch-till. 
Keep in mind that no one conservation tillage method is best for all fields. Just like we talked about earlier with our topic for today, decisions should be based on the severity of erosion problems, soil type, crop rotation, latitude, available equipment, and management skills. I think anytime they throw menace on a on a topic <laughs> in the news, it's going to rouse national attention. Just throw menace on anything, and we're in trouble. Like Dennis. Right. Yep, he was a menace. <laughs> all right, Todd, what do you got for all us? All right, thank you to all our listeners out there. We appreciate you listening to Tilt Talk Radio. If you want to find us, go to your favorite podcast player, be that Apple Podcast or on Android phone. There is Podbean or Podcast Addict and search Tilth Talk Radio. So please tell a farmer friend about Tilth Talk Radio while he's harvesting his first crop, alfalfa. He can be listening in the cab. And otherwise, if you're looking on a web browser, you can find us at tilthegg.com slash podcasts. And Matt, where can they follow us? You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Now it's time for our Cool Beans That's Corny their current events so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans all right our cool beans for today wisconsin crops emerging hay quality improving so this was from earlier in the week hold on hold on just a minute i thought hay quality went down as it It, uh yeah it's gone gone down now but if you were how does it do if you cut it and then it gets rained on three times does it go up (laughs) or down when you do that oh i'm this are they're saying that the the how well the stands over winter yeah yeah Yeah. okay that should be alfalfa (laughs) stand quality yeah Yeah, it should be stand quality in the the title headline (laughs) little yeah deceptive but this was clearly not peer-reviewed. I mean, just... <laughs> so prior to yesterday's Fake rain... Fake news. Just throwing <laughs> out. Prior to yesterday's rain, we were dealing with above-normal temperatures and limited rain, which means a lot of field progress, a lot of planting, at least this side of the Wisconsin River. So USDA reporters say um, just over four and a half days were suitable for field work through Sunday as isolated rain fell through the state. Hay and pasture conditions all improved with 69% of hay in good to excellent condition and 65% good to excellent was what it was previously. So many farms were harvesting first crop hay this week uh, and last week. And if you got in before the rain, you probably had some better quality than you're going to have on if you cut and then it get rained on, like Max was saying, so... I do say that last week was a weird week on trying to make decisions because yep. the weatherman was like, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And then every day, obviously not yesterday, but every day it didn't rain. And it was 75, yeah. windy. I mean, it was, well, eh, well, fully, maybe up here, I guess. Even how hot it was. Other parts of the state, it definitely rained. How warm and humid it was Saturday, and then it was like 90% chance of rain Sunday after that. And then it never happened. It never happened. Yeah. So it was like, well, we're just missing them. We're in that track and yeah they talked about like severe weather saturday night and it was fine nothing yep sunday was just kind of cold and a little bit of windy but kind of broke up as it got towards us yeah all right and our that's corny this week is there's a usmca dairy dispute playing out um though it may end up being a positive in the end and that is because canada is not meeting the requirements that were negotiated for the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or otherwise known as the USMCA. 
So uh, better not get South Park involved with this. <laughs> Blame Canada. Canada. Blame Canada. So specifically, U.S. is challenging Canada's allocation of dairy tariff rate quotas and the setting aside of a percentage of each dairy TRQ exclusively for Canadian processors. So they're basically saying that it was supposed to be a percentage of the Canadian market opened up to U.S. milk, and it wasn't. Um, so they're trying to get that opened up to hopefully improve milk prices here in the United States. So if they're successful in their challenge, uh, they rattle Canada's cage a little bit enough to get them to comply, then it may turn into a positive. But the fact that we've got to go through this rigmarole, just not great. Can't we all just get along? No. No, we can't. All right. Let's wrap it up then with our egg idiom for the week. So this week we're talking about going haywire. Ooh. Yeah. So if you've heard that one before or used it, usually in conjunction with computers, I would say most most recently, oh, my computer's gone haywire. Uh, so the meaning is to go wrong, become overly excited or deranged. And the origin of the phrase go haywire. Haywire is the light wire that was used in bailing machines to tie up bales of hay. At the turn of the 20th century, the expression a haywire outfit began to be used in the U.S. This was used to describe companies that patched up faulty machinery such as wire, or using such wire, rather than making proper long-term fixes. So it breaks, well, we'll just patch it together. Now now we'd use duct tape, but back then they used haywire. <laughs> flex seal? Or flex seal, yeah, flex seal is kind of a so if, so if this is now, we'd say go flex seal or go duct tape? Yep. It's gone, duct tape. We're going duct tape. Is it duct? Duct. C-T- duct. Or like oh, a yeah. heating duct. Or it's oh, duct yeah. like the duct. But Quack there is a duct brand. The best brand duct of duct tape, tape is the duct brand, I feel like. Yeah. But really, when you, what's really funny is what we know as duct tape is not actually duct tape. Like, like, like what sure, you should you actually use yeah. is a different one. It's like a foil tape. Yeah, it's that, kind of like a foil. Yep. That's made for... Heating, heat, heating, and cooling. People use yeah. well. It can take it can take the heat where sure. regular what we know as duct tape doesn't really hold Got up it. to heat, which is I think is that, very funny. Been wondering that for years. Is it duct or duck? Duck brand duct tape. Got yep. it. it. Yeah, it's D U C T. Is the term duck is just a brand? Is just a brand. Yep, with a little duck. With a little duck. He's cute. Yeah. That's why I buy it. It's got Howard the Duck. I wonder who makes that. Because like 3M. 3, 3M's got some good. Yeah, okay. That makes I'm sense. Pretty sure, yeah, that was quick, uh, Max. Yeah. <laughs> You're all about the duct tape, aren't you? Uh, I had some family that worked at 3M, so uh, I'm big on the. We we had all we had some crazy tapes. Like, you know, he'd bring them to, for us to try, like experimental tapes and stuff like that. It was pretty sweet. That'd be kind of a fun job. What do you do? He, I, yeah, I tape tester. I develop tape. He was actually more in the. He worked with sponges a lot more, but like. He would bring super weird tapes home. Like this one says, the duct brand, duck brand, duct tape is manufactured by Sure Tape Technology yeah. in Hickory, North Carolina. I didn't actually know if it was 3M. I no. just assumed because like they 3M, make the be- 3M's duct tape is good too. They make the best. Uh, yeah. um, Maybe the duck brand is owned by 3M. Who knows? They make the best uh, electrical Could be a parent tape company. 3M does. Oh yeah, 3M electrical tape is that's. That's the cat's meow. I do like their um, those wall hanger things where you just pull it. The command strips. strips. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty bad. Sticky. Yes. Yeah. Sticky stuff. That works good. I, the, the Gorilla duct tape is 
so, like slightly over even Gorilla Glue sometimes. You're like, oh, I'll grab the Gorilla Glue, and then I'm disappointed in it. What's nice about the Gorilla Tape is it's thicker. Yeah, but it does, the adhesive isn't as good. But sure. it, it, is but it is thicker. Thick. I, I got a roll of T Rex tape. T Rex, yeah. For uh, I don't remember if it was Christmas or some holiday, it was like a a useful gift thrown in. And white elephant? No, no, no. It was just, uh, just like a a regular present, just like a separate thing. And it it's supposed to be like it's furiously strong. Yeah, so you're supposed to. They have a, a picture on the roll of like basically towing a four wheeler <laughs> out of the mud by taking the Ooh. tape and like wrapping it back on itself and connecting. Two oh, we don't need to carry tow straps. Let's just yeah. Throw we're just gonna get a T-Rex. roll of T Rex tape in there. I have done a few of the uh, the duct tape ropes. You just kind of roll out a piece and then twist it together, ah. so it's like you know it yep. kind of makes a little rope. Every once in a while, you know, you lose the uh, the the pull or the um, the strings on the uh, yep. gates for the four for the four wheeler trailers. That's a real good duct tape rope time right there. Mm. Hold the cotter pins. Have yeah. you pulled any four wheelers out with T Rex tape? No, I've I've used it a little bit. I mean, it is thicker and it's just kind of a heavier heavier tape. Even than well, you get cheap duct tape and cheap duct tape doesn't hold up very well either. But yeah, it is kind of a thicker tape. So you may have to try that sometime. Cheap duct tape is like really disappointing. Yeah, like you roll it out and you're like. Oh, it's oh. like stringy and doesn't you know it's not going to stick. It's really thin. Sometimes it even like sticks to itself better than anything else. And then you're like, why is this? Have you ever, the the gas station duct tape when you're in like oh, a yeah. when you're in like a real pinch and you pay like nine dollars Doll- for less dollar than a, store duct tape less than a quarter like, roll and it just it's so sad. Right when the cardboard is thicker than the actual tape around the roll, yeah, Ooh, yeah. it's never a good. Sign. Or I always like the colored and pattern duct tape. How did we get on duct tape? No. I just realized this, <laughs> no, this is a tangent. No, well, because like haywire, we're using wire. Yeah, okay, haywire was using so the new duct tape. Now duct tape. Well, I would think of like a um, what do they say? Uh, you put it back together with a potato chip and a band aid. You ever hear that before? <laughs> no, you never heard that. Well, what the heck, you guys? This conversation has gone haywire. Yes, yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> all right, so that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for Thanks having us, Matt. So we talked about some of the different types of agriculture to kind of highlight the pros and cons of all of them. And we didn't even cover all of it, really. Egg history, or uh, spotlight today, we talked about a new herbicide coming from uh, Europe for soybean and corn markets. Egg history minute, we talked about the history of conservation tillage. Cool beans was lots of crops in the ground. Guys are almost done planting. That's corny. Dispute with the USMCA. So... Please forgive our haywire discussion of duct tape. And thanks for listening. As always, happy farming.